Okay, he's lining up the audio, that's why. That's cool. <laughs> okay, so I figured we could just start by like a quick introduction. Sure. So if you want to introduce who you are, what you do, and then I'll talk a little bit about me yeah. in regards to our topic that we'll talk about today. Yeah, so I'm Joel Murray, uh, 33, been on staff, like I was telling you just a little bit earlier, been on staff at this church at Living Word uh, as a pastor since 2011. Mm -hmm. So just past the nine year mark and uh, loving wife, got two boys and a girl on the way and uh, very excited about life and, and what I get to do. I, I do feel like uh, to whatever degree or level that um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. Uh, it's brought tons of fulfillment to my life. And uh, yeah, so being a pastor is probably not for everybody. It's probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Okay. Um, I would say that, but um, it's definitely fulfilling and I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to. So yeah. Good. So my name's Josh, I'm 28. Um, I'm a husband, I'm soon to be father in April. So that's exciting. Mm, and that is I- very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And I am not associated with the church at all. I used to be until I was like in high school, 16, 17 years old. But since then I've kind of been away from it. Yeah. Had negative feelings, positive feelings, just mixed feelings about it. A lot of questions too, which is why I thought I could sit down with somebody that was, you know, about my age and talk a sure. little bit about that and have yeah. like a discussion instead of a debate and not have it be like heated and get into the weeds or anything like that. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, talk about whatever. All so, about it, man. Yeah, Whatever so I've got, a, I've got a bunch of questions. I don't know how many we'll get to today, but I'll pull out my phone. We'll start off just with whatever I've got. Sounds good. Okay, let's see. What's let's start with one? prayer. With prayer? Yeah. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Dude. I'm just <laughs> okay. like, we, we ain't got to do that. Like, I'm not, <laughs> not like that, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we could start off with a, with a fun question, right? Okay. And this is one I've had debates with about people, so this isn't really as much as debate because I feel like we're probably on about the same page with this. Yeah. What does Christianity view as far as people that are tattooed? Oh man, like it's hard to generalize the whole organization mm -hmm. of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess would, what are your views as, as your yeah, your religious beliefs? I mean, you know, like if you want to dive into scripture, mm -hmm. Jesus talks about having a tattoo on his thigh mm -hmm. when he comes back in Revelation, riding on the white horse. I did not know that. So, I mean, you know, like, I'm just, like, my brother has tons of tattoos. I do not have any, mm -hmm. um, not, not for the lack of not wanting them. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I would want them, but it's just, I'm super indecisive. Yeah. Uh, and it is permanent, and I realize that. And so, if I was going to get something, I would want it to be super meaningful or impactful or that's something. Like that's like the number one reason why people don't get them. Is, yeah. yeah. So, I probably fall into the stereotype, but, I mean... Dude, like, uh, Old Testament view would probably tell you that it's like a pagan practice. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, frowned upon the whole deal. Uh, I would tell you that my parents probably still feel the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so the senior pastors of the church I work for, uh, totally not really cool with it. Mm -hmm. um, but at that same time, gosh, man, the majority of our staff mm -hmm. has at least one. You know yeah, I, mean? I noticed I saw some when I walked in here. And, and some of them have many. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a, deter a deter uh, deterrent for them to hire or, mm -hmm. or place you in leadership here because they know that it doesn't affect the quality of the person or the heart of the person. Uh, it's a style preference more than anything. Mm -hmm. It's a decoration. And uh, I, I feel like it's an expression, too. It's a conversation starter for many of our team. I know they talk to me about, like, people ask them about their tattoos and what they mean, and mm -hmm. then they, they get to share their faith or they get to talk about Jesus or yeah. um, uh, stuff like that. So it's been a real uh, eye-opening experience for me just to question people as to why they have what they have. But I mean, uh, I would say the largest portion of the Christian uh, faith probably would frown upon tattoos, mm -hmm. which is why I feel like so many people don't feel welcomed in the church. Yeah, um, And that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. 
uh, here at Living Word. You know, we want everybody to feel welcome because everybody has a place. Mm -hmm. um, and regardless of what you look like, yeah, what you know, your gender, color, ethnic, mm -hmm. you know, what, whatever it is, you're welcome. You have a place here. And so that's why I feel like Jesus represented, and that's what we're trying to do here okay. at the church. So yeah. I, I don't know. I still want one. Maybe you can give me some tips. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure what I should get, but yeah, I got I got a lot here yeah. and there, and I got a lot. Of, I even have some friends that are artists, mm -hmm. so I already know who I would go to, mm -hmm. um, and we talk all the time. But it's just kind of landing on what I would want to get, and okay. and I don't know. It is conflicting because because of how, you know how my parents are, mm -hmm. who they are, um, and then being in the position I have as kind of like the number two around the church, like. I don't know. It's just the if you do something that is your representation of something, right. so you might be like pushing it, saying this is an okay thing, and you don't want to maybe. And I, I want to be honoring to them, you know, mm -hmm. like not just because they're my parents, but because they are my leadership here, mm -hmm. and I know that they don't enjoy them. And so, if I were to get one, it would kind of, it just would be a, a rough couple of weeks probably for them to get over it. I yeah, guess. And I understand it's, that. It's, you know, heartache that's unnecessary. So it's surprising that my parents were way more upset when I stretched my ears than when I got tattoos. Really? Yeah, because I had these huge holes in my ear and it just it looked really bad. How, so how big did you go? Uh, like an inch and a half. Dang. So they were like right about that's, that. That's and a serious hole. Got them sewn up. So I will say to anybody watching, don't do that, especially <laughs> if you ever have to sew your ears up because it was terrible. Oh man! And when it, when he was sewing on my ears, my ear like was only half numb. So when he started cutting it, I'm like, oh dude, I feel that. And he said, well, I can stop, but I have to stop. If you want me to just keep going, I said, all right, just do it. So I felt him cutting it and ripping oh, it and all that stuff. I heard it too, which was the worst. So yeah, <laughs> definitely way different than tattoos. Oh man! For sure. And that when I was a kid, like it was like no big deal. I just did it for fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to, I want to separate myself from all the military people I'm around, so I don't look like I'm a marine, like because I lived in Japan, so I didn't want to yeah. set up that way. So something you just said brought me to another question I had. Um, oh, and this is a big one too. I feel like my understanding of the Bible is that the Old Testament were old rules that we followed before Jesus came, and then the New Testament were a new set of rules, and this is how we live now, which is why we can wear two different types of cloth, why we can plant soybeans right next to corn why we don't stone people to death because they had a child out of wedlock or anything like that. Sure. So I'm curious, do we use the Old Testament as a guideline of like morals? Do we use that as just like a storybook now? Is that something that, why, why do I find some people pulling verses from Leviticus to talk about why this thing is bad, yet they won't pull a verse from Deuteronomy that says to stone somebody to death when they do something wrong? Yeah, sure. You know, is it, how, do, how does that whole thing work now? Man, um... I'll tell Sorry you, if that's like a really big question or anything. I but. feel like it is a relatively big question. I probably don't have the best answer for it. Okay. Um, that's normally when I have to like go do some research. But okay. um, I do think um, like God, God is the same. Mm -hmm. And so before Jesus came and brought grace, uh, there was the law. Mm -hmm. And so because nobody was able to live up to the law that was written, uh, Jesus was then a requirement. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I do think that there's tons of stuff in the law that a lot of people hold on to. But in, in my opinion, those are the really legalistic, really judgmental uh, sections of the faith. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not a, uh, uh, you know, I would refer to it as a greasy grace person. Okay. Where I feel like you can do anything you want, whenever you want, and there's no consequences for it. Mm -hmm. I don't really buy into that at all. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think that there's, uh, when you have faith in Jesus, it, it brings obedience that okay. if you truly love God and who he is and what he's done for you, it makes you want to do the things that he says because of the life that it brings. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, doing anything out of the Old Testament has never been out of a heart of like, 
if I don't do this, I'm going to hell. I'm mm-hmm. going to burn forever. It's been more out of a, a desire to please my creator. You know what I mean? It's okay. been out of a desire to like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's, there, there's definitely a balance there. And I think uh, what you get out of the Old Testament is you get to see like uh, the hand of God okay. move on the planet. Um, and then the New Testament, we get to see that reflected through a person. Um, and so, you know, when you look at Old Testament, I think of stories, you know, like in Exodus, of he was a pillar of cloud, uh, mm-hmm. a fire by night and a cloud by day. Um, literally seeing like miracles happen every single day of your life. And what that would do to you, I feel like, would do nothing but want, make you want to draw close. Yeah. But time and time again, people fail. Yeah. And there's this like, there's this constant. So, so even in the midst of what seems like super judgmental God that like, you know, it's calling you to call, kill people, have babies out of wedlock yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I don't know if that's an exact verse, but I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of verses that say I mean, like, there's some really drastic stuff in the yeah. Old Testament, you know, uh, and, and pretty, pretty contrasty stuff from what you would think a loving God would present. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, through all the judgment, like he told them what would happen if they did it wrong, mm-hmm. and then they did it wrong anyway. Yeah. And yet he still gave them another chance. And yet he still gave them another chance. And so repeatedly through the Old Testament, you get to see the, the, the love that he still had for the people of Israel and mm-hmm. wanting them to succeed and, and be the people they were always destined to be. And so I think that there's a lot of maybe misunderstanding where you pick a verse out of like the really harsh judgment that came mm-hmm. where you didn't see the context of the before. Okay. Where you yeah. don't see like... How many chances they were given. Yeah, or, or even the conversation God would have with the leader like this is going to happen if you do this wrong, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then people did, chose unwisely and consequences comes. Like, I mean, it's what I teach my kids. If yeah. you do something dumb, I, you've been taught better. Mm-hmm. If you do something wrong, there's gonna be punishment. And punishment now looks a lot different than when you grow up and you're still doing st- dumb stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have the consequences are at much higher stakes. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get them fixed now so yeah. they don't make those mistakes later. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's something, some element of that that's, that holds true in the Old Testament versus the New. Um, but, you know, it, it's easier to look at the life of Jesus. I, I've always um, heard and fully believe that Jesus is perfect theology. Okay. So what, do you Jesus, mean, what do you mean by perfect theology? So um, basically any belief I have about God and who he is and his plan and and what he desires is lived out through the life of Jesus. So, okay. So he's a perfect representation of... So, I mean, Jesus says in the New Testament that he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so, like, he didn't come to do away with everything that happened in the Old Testament, but he came as a fulfillment for, not, for people not being able to live up to the expectation or the requirement uh, to be good enough, okay. so to speak. Um, and so his, his payment on the cross and living a perfect life, sinless, has now paid the, paid the way for me to, to live the life I get to live here on earth now, but then also have eternity in heaven. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Jesus, he kind of fixed all the problems that people are having. Okay. And so grace, I believe, is 100% necessary, but I don't like to lean on that as an excuse to do whatever I want. Gotcha. So I guess I've got two questions from what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of them is, so when you read the Bible and you look back in the Old Testament, New Testament, the whole thing, you see quite a few different miracles that are very obvious miracles, right? Mm-hmm. There was no technology back then to do what happened. When a bush is on fire and it doesn't burn, 
They couldn't do that back then. Somebody sure. walks on water, they don't have like flotation devices like we do today, right? <laughs> right? So it seems like there was very obvious miracles to them that they were like, this, there's no way this, is, this can't be proven mm -hmm. to be not a, um, like a holy act of some sort. Right. Do you think that today, um, with today's technology, with the information that's like constantly proven to be incorrect or slightly skewed or a blatant lie, you think it's harder for people to believe in a religion like Christianity when they don't have necessarily the tangible proof that people might have had back in the day? Like sure. if I see someone who had cancer, that the cancer goes away, I might, just, I might say, oh, that's a miracle. And somebody else might say, oh, well, that's actually just science because you took chemotherapy and that's why your cancer right. is gone. You know? 100%. Yeah, I think that um, miracles today, because of the skepticism that's mm -hmm. there and so many people like not really believing um, that there's much higher probability that people struggle to believe something is true that, you know, even caught on camera, like yeah. camera tricks that people yeah. would pull, they, you know, claim like, why did they change the camera angle? Why did it cut there? Yeah. I mean, um, all the 9-11 conspiracy things just from like that footage alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely uh, true. At the same time, though, like, um, I would tell you that, like, I feel like I'm a walking miracle. Mm -hmm. Not too many people are in a, uh, a, a car crash at 70 miles an hour with a stopped object and get to live to tell about it without oh, wow. their seatbelt on. Oh, wow. So um, I'm not sure what that number is, but it's got to be really low. You yeah. know, the people that survive something like that. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. Man, to you're good. <laughs> when it's the guy I've been waiting to get a call from for, like, four months. <laughs> so... Um, so I believe 100% miracles do happen, but I agree with you. Yeah. I do believe that there may be, um, there's a lot more reason to believe that they're not. And mm -hmm. it takes a lot more, um, I don't know, convincing or, or God would have to show up in their life mm -hmm. and, and do something that they would have trouble believing mm -hmm. in order to actually believe that something like that could ever happen. Okay. Yeah. yeah a big part of that for me too, is just seeing, um, I guess a huge pro problem I have with a lot of religion are, are people that benefit monetarily. Yeah. from their organization. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about people like Joel Olstein or people that have mega churches that make millions and millions of dollars a year. Sure. But that's something that really rubbed me the wrong way, especially seeing people that would fall into what I thought was almost like smoke and mirror tricks, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when somebody goes in the audience and they say, oh, I can cure this person and just touch their head and all of a sudden they're a walking miracle. Right. Um, I feel like that was a big thing for me too. Another reason why I was like, I'm just not about it anymore. It's just for sure. So, um, but I guess judging the bad side of people, you know, if you do that all the time, everybody sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to instantly jump to. So, so I, I would tell you, I struggle. Mm -hmm. I really do, uh, internally in my conversations with God and other people that I trust. Um, I really struggle with those types of personalities mm -hmm. that represent the faith. Um, you mean the personalities that kind of like are a little bit bigger than yeah. in real life? Yeah. I mean, you know, Kenneth Copeland being worth almost a billion dollars yeah. and a couple of private jets and Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar. I mean, you go down the list of all these people, um, the prosperity gospel mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do believe that God's plan and intention is for people to prosper because mm -hmm. um, he asks us to be generous. And if, if you're broke and poor, you can't be generous and give. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's some level of... Um, being obedient to give financially mm -hmm. and the blessing that I've seen on my own life through that has been pretty wild too. Um, I'm not sure how long of a conversation you want to have. That's, that's, oh, a, long, yeah. that's a longer story. No, I, I know but to answer the question, um, I've really tried to decide within myself that I don't want to judge them because mm -hmm. I don't know them. Okay. So I feel like I can have an outward, ex uh, per, uh, I don't know what you want to say, 
like I, I can view them from the outside looking in and mm -hmm. to me it looks super wrong yeah but I don't know what they've walked through you know I've heard people like TD Jakes and he's got to be worth tons of money too but he also not just passes a church not just sells books mm -hmm. but he also owns like a media company he like produces movies so he's got and he's got so money he, coming yeah he's like an entrepreneur at yeah. the same time that he's pastoring a church and so these guys have different levels of income based on different you know avenues of creating mm -hmm. that and so where on the outside it looks like these people are just like just bringing in the money from all these poor people at the same time like their book sales are like new york times bestsellers yeah so, so there's, I mean, there's, there's all all different types of you know i guess ways of looking at it so i've just tried to decide within myself like like god i'm just going to trust that you're going to use them and it's obviously blessing people because otherwise these people wouldn't have anything yeah so it's got to be helping somebody um my my prayer more than anything is just that like hopefully their faith is not in that person as much as it's in the lord um, okay so that's where i've tried to settle is like i i really do struggle to yeah. be honest like i do not like most of them <laughs> so yeah. so it's it's a battle for me to like just pray for them and, and to just trust that God's going to use them regardless. Mm -hmm. So, and I guess I mean, it was kind of a hypocritical thing for me to be like annoyed with, I guess, because you know, uh, it's somebody else. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. It doesn't affect me personally at all. So it's just something that I see and then I get angry and it like hardens it to where when I look at religion in general, like then I start to have issues with like the institution of it, not like the belief, not like the morals, not like what the story is or what it actually is. But a lot of the times, um, I felt when I was younger that I would see a lot of hypocritical things and it mm -hmm. just bothered me. But I guess, it, again, it's kind of hypocritical of me to be so judgmental of somebody, especially yeah. because uh, nobody is perfect. There's no way to be perfect at all. For sure. So to sit there and judge everybody for their faults, I wouldn't want people to do that for me. So I guess yeah. that's kind of a, yeah. I, t I tell people all the time, and like, I willingly accept the fact that I am unable to do this life by myself, that, um, and in times of struggle, which is most days, you know what I mean? There's always gonna be some sort of something to overcome every single day you wake up. And so um, I rely on my relationship with the Lord and, and the things I read out of the Bible and the principles that I can apply to my life. Mm -hmm. um, I rely on my relationship with, uh, with God and, and having the Holy Spirit speak to me and, and trying to listen to that still small voice. It's really, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, man, I would say that uh, I've felt crazy hypocritical through mm -hmm. the years, knowing my own struggles mm -hmm. and then the, um, the position I hold at a church and, you know, the God that I represent, um, it's a real battle, like trying to overcome your own issues and uh, kind of relying on that relationship with the God to, to, to walk you through. And um, I need grace just like everybody else mm -hmm. and uh, rely on it heavily. I need forgiveness. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, yeah, I think I think it's probably something that everybody battles with, just people turn to different stuff to deal with it. So. Yeah. It's, I bet it's pretty hard to be a pastor, especially at a younger age, too, because I feel like everybody, if they find out you're a pastor, they're going to be looking at you with, through a magnifying glass, saying, what, how much money are you making? What are you doing with your money? Are you smoking cigarettes? Do you drink alcohol? <laughs> yeah. Do you have tats? I mean, just like so much, like, are you following every single guideline you have to? For sure. Uh, which I feel like I could not handle yeah you're pretty much instantly at the mercy of like thousands of people's opinions that really yeah. don't know you that well but they act like your best friends and you know it's fine like i get it and like is that rough to deal with the two-faced thing or they act like your best friend because of your position i mean or? um you know like i said at the beginning of the interview it's one of the hardest jobs i've ever had but um there's definitely people i connect with on a personal level and have a relationship with and we're friends and we talk and uh, we're trying to grow together in our faith trying to raise our families together 
um, bouncing ideas off, what's working for you, what's working for me, uh, things like that. But um, the, the, the thing for us and what we feel like is very biblical is to not be personality focused, which maybe kind of points to some of the people you were bringing up before, mm -hmm. you know, like the Joel Osteens and uh, some of the people I mentioned, like the Jesse Duplantis or Creflo Dollars that kind of get a bad rap. I feel like it's because a lot of the driving force of those ministries is the person mm -hmm. that's speaking. As Rather opposed, than the actual idea. As opposed to, yeah, yeah the faith that they're presenting mm -hmm. um, and, and the God that they represent. So, and that's just a human thing, you mm -hmm. know, like I, I wouldn't even 100% blame them for that. Like people are looking for that, yeah. I feel like, you know what I mean? And so for a God that you can't see, why not follow the closest thing you got to it and mm -hmm. your pastor? Um, and so I think there's a lot of uh, baby Christians, honestly, there's probably more baby, way more baby Christians on the planet than there are people that are actually doing what they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they haven't really made the faith their own. They've okay. relied on a person to tell them everything they need to know as opposed to diving into it themselves and, mm -hmm. and trying to dig deeper in their faith and find out who Jesus really is to them. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a real crossroads for me, you know, uh, my parents being pastors my whole life and me only knowing the church that I now get to help pastor. Um, I was two years old when they planted, and uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, I mean, you, you, you had a similar story, sounds like, you know, very yeah. Christian. My mom home. worked in the church like our entire time growing yeah. up, too, so we were always around it. You know, so like, um, there's, there's lots of pressure that comes with that, you know, for sure, that's just kind of unspoken, it's just part of the deal. Like, you grow up as a pastor's kid, it's just like, there's expectations mm. placed get on you. Get good grades, don't get in trouble, do all it that It is stuff. the fishbowl yeah. thing, you know, that you were talking about earlier, too, and there's just all these opinions of people from the start of your life that you don't really have control over, mm -hmm. and so, um, but, you know, I think uh, I had to make a decision at some point in my life that this is no longer my parents' thing that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. This is now, I feel like, my truth and, and, and my faith and I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and not just ride on the coattails you know mm -hmm. my mom and dad um, so I started trying to dig into the scripture myself and I started praying for myself and it wasn't just praying at bedtime or, or dinner you know what I mean mm -hmm. it was actually having conversations with God and and uh, trying to go a little bit deeper in what a walk with him actually looks like and so so yeah I think there's that you know there's that moment too for for people where they have to not look to the pastor for everything but yeah. they should be looking to to god who who desires a relationship who desires to talk to them is actually talking to them they just have to learn how to listen okay um so i, I believe god speaks to everybody it's just a matter of how well you listen you know we, we talked earlier too but that still small voice you know he's still in small on purpose mm -hmm. and i feel like most of the time that we're not able to hear him it's because of the a level of distraction and noise cluttering uh, our life hmm. whether that be you know social media is a huge thing right now obviously it yeah. provides tons of good i think but at the same time it's a huge pitfall for so many mm -hmm. um to get stuck in the noise and rhetoric that's uh, that's around our world especially in the fall of 2020. yeah especially because we don't have a whole lot of regular society anymore Golly, so all social and media coronavirus is like and social injustice <laughs> i mean you just name it and you can't say anything right on the internet right now without getting blasted yeah, and, I've even uh, found myself, I'm, I would not consider myself extremely PC at all. I've even f found myself like deleting a comment yeah. because I'm like, I don't want somebody to take this the wrong way. And I don't know if that's the social justice stuff coming back, you know, where I'm yeah. kind of like more conscious of what I say to not offend people or if it's like me just not trying to be rude. But right. it's definitely something that I've noticed is way different than when we were growing up. It's way different, man. Yeah. I mean, and even just like from, the, okay, so I grew up in like the early 2000s. I feel like the late 90s, early 2000s is like my prime growing up times, right? Yeah. MySpace, 
uh, <laughs> yes. uh, askjeeves.com because Google didn't exist. Yes, dude. YouTube without advertisements, all that kind of stuff, Man, right? the good days. And the internet has changed so much just from that to today mm. that it used to be like, you said anything on the internet, you get blasted, people threaten to kill you, all this kind of crazy stuff, yeah. I mean, it's wild west. Yeah. But now if you say something that somebody can construe as something that's rude, you get blasted by, and you lose your job. So right. I'm kind of like nervous about what I say on the internet now, just because if I say something the wrong way that somebody takes the wrong way, I might not ever be able to do videos anymore because somebody just holds on to it forever. That's kind of like off topic, but you know. No, I mean, it's real. Of. And I, I think like, uh, especially being in ministry and my goal is to like reach people and like to help them. It's a difficult season to feel like, like I, I know the truth is gonna help set people free. Mm -hmm. But if I say anything, yeah. in regards to anti whatever their lifestyle is or mm -hmm. anti their belief, it's gonna be like, and so anyway, I just try to not do stuff online. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As, as powerful of a, of a tool as it is, I've kind of relied on like um, what the church is doing in our online accounts, you know, social accounts and stuff like that. Um, I feel like that's bringing truth to people. My job is to have conversation because I feel like there's not enough of that. So stuff mm -hmm. like this yeah. is kind of where I feel like I should live and um, getting to know people's stories and where they come from. I don't want to just put a, a blanket statement out there online for just anybody to comment on or I don't want to comment on somebody else's thing that could be misconstrued yeah. or misunderstood because written form of communication. There's no sarcasm in it. There's no tone of voice you, at all. Yeah, you can't hear anything in it and you can't really see where people are coming from or hear how it's coming across. And so. I don't know, I think I've heard like, it's only like 30% of communication it's comes verbal. through. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, another part of that too is that like half the time I see something I want to comment on, I'm furious about it or I'm upset about it or there's some emotion that I have yeah. that's fleeting. Right. But in the moment, I don't have somebody I'm looking at so I can say a lot more behind a screen than I could to somebody's face because I don't want to offend them, but then I know that I'm gonna end up offending them anyways or make sure. them upset. I, I don't really do that anymore. When I was in high school, I was really big <laughs> on, you know, yeah. arguing with people on the internet, but yeah. uh, I kind of, I know what you mean though. Especially because yeah. I might not have those feelings if I was talking to them in person, seeing how, seeing their face and seeing how they act might change my opinion about what they're saying. For sure. Rather than hearing them type it yeah, out. I mean, you gotta, in the position I hold too, like you gotta pastor people's <laughs> opinions, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And they come from everywhere. And so just as many people think that we're all best friends, mm -hmm. there's tons of people that would like agree, disagree with things that we say or do. And, and you know, those people don't obviously stick around too long, but um, and it's difficult, you know, that they, uh, I don't know, just take one thing that they disagree with mm -hmm. and they throw the whole thing out. Gotcha. Or, and all of a sudden we're bad guys because mm -hmm. we did one thing wrong. Um, Is that like a, are you referring to things like how you interpret a specific verse of the Bible or? Um, that or just how the Bible applies to daily life. Okay. And um, you know, what kind of truth and freedom comes out of that. You know, I, I think there's plenty of space for like, um, I don't know. Everybody wants grace uh, for themselves. Okay. But giving it, I feel like is a little bit more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, especially in church, you know, like of all people, the people that are not allowed to mess up at all mm -hmm. or have any type of struggle mm -hmm. would be pastors. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, absolutely. It's totally misunderstood from uh, outsiders looking in that we're people too. Yeah. You know, like we, we have to live life just like everybody else. Yeah. And um, yeah, sure, we know the Bible maybe a little bit better and we might be better at public speaking than others, but you know, at the same, same exact time, like we're raising families, mm -hmm. 
we got you know finance issues and you I mean, get just, stuck in traffic just like everybody else w2 you get, and what you it get cut off on the highway and yeah. words want to fly out I mean, it's just like this, the struggle is the same regardless of who you are mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's a lot of that too that kind of comes with like the pressure the fishbowl thing yeah I think there's a lot of preconceived ideas about pastors or people that are in religious uh, like leadership roles in general yeah. is that they are better and therefore that's why they're at their role. You know, they're better at being a Christian or they're better at being sure. following all these rules. So that's why they're doing what they're doing rather than maybe they're just better at explaining things or better at, <laughs> you know, just putting it out there. So right. I know a lot of people that are very godly that are terrible at speaking and they can't finish a sentence to save their life. So that's probably why they wouldn't be any sort of <laughs> leadership role, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean to get political at all, but if Donald Trump was a was a pastor, I don't think you would ever come out of a sermon being like, I, I learned something because it's just like <laughs> one sentence starts here and then all of a sudden we're <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if that would work out too well for him or anybody else. But I won't put that in the video. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily he's not anybody's pastor. He's no. just the president right now. So. I guess that, that kind of does bring something up though. So I'm curious about this and this is a political thing, but also it's not really a political thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't have to put this in the video if it's something that you're uncomfortable talking about. But a big problem that I have with not religion, but people that use religion, like people like Joel Osteen, or is it Olstein or Osteen? I don't know. Osteen. Osteen, yeah. yeah. People like that, that um, I feel like use the Bible as a prop, use mm. religion as like a, a, a prop in a story, almost like they're actors and like, you know, right. uh, just kind of dance around like, hey, look at this, look at this. Is, th is that not sacrilegious, blasphemous in some way to use religion or use the fact that you say, oh, I'm a Christian, to get votes when you know that that's not true and this person doesn't lead a godly lifestyle, they can't quote any scripture to save their life, is that, right. would that be considered a, a morally, I guess, I don't, I don't know how to like, phrase it, a morally or religiously yeah, I mean, that's wrong thing to vote for somebody because, simply because they say they're the same religion as you? You know, I, I would say that's twisted for yeah. sure. You know, to, to represent yourself to, I mean, by you know Donald Trump in the middle of that riot and stuff, taking yeah. a picture of himself with the Bible. That's exactly what I'm talking and about. You know, I I think, I'm glad that you know what yeah, I'm referring I think, to. I think he even used like what were those like like just the gas or whatever to like clear mm -hmm. space to mm -hmm. like get rioters away from the church, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was actually really disappointed. So um, Donald Trump, I feel like with all of his flaws, one of the best things I feel like he has done is he has brought in like super godly counsel. So he has like. Um, uh, this whole team of like dozens of pastors and really big names in our faith and stuff to be able to bring influence and mm -hmm. to speak to him and to have his ear. Um, but honestly, uh, as, as public as he's been about that side, mm -hmm. I was really frustrated at those same guys that he's brought onto that team for not like, they almost like condoned it by not talking about it, mm -hmm. that what he mm -hmm. did, like, okay. I feel like they know he should have never done that. And mm -hmm. that was like super messed up, Yeah. but they didn't call him on the carpet for it. And so I feel like, man, you can't sing his praises, but then not correct him when he does something dumb. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's definitely something twisted about using the Bible just to get votes. Yeah. Or, I mean, um, it happens on both sides, whether it's Republican, libertarian, liberal, socialist. I see people all the time using religion for that. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that it's. Uh, and I mean, I don't want to say that Donald Trump's not actually a Christian or doesn't have a faith at all. Because I, I, I was talking about that with my mom. You can't yeah. actually know. Because I don't know him. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you that at all. I just know what he says. Um, and so him taking a, a picture with the Bible, how he did that, I feel like was super wrong, you mm -hmm. know, in the midst of like what didn't happen on, on camera. Um, but yeah, I think like. 
I don't know, if that was his sole motive was just to get a picture in that location with a Bible, mm -hmm. just to make sure that the Christians that are voting want to vote him in again. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's pretty twisted for sure. Okay. Um, so I've got a question that will be getting more into like, like I mentioned, I was involved with the church for like 17, 18 years. So I have quite a bit of knowledge about scripture, mm -hmm. how people, certain views people have on verses and things like that. So I've got quite a bit of like in-depth questions that might not be good for a video like this because it's probably like, I, you either can't answer it or it's a really long answer or we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So um, I wanna ask a couple of those questions now just to see sure. how we feel about them, right? So one of the first questions I have are falling from grace, right? I feel like a lot of different uh, denominations have specific views on whether after you become a Christian, whether you can do something so bad that you are no longer a Christian anymore or you stop living your lifestyle and you walk away from it, therefore you're no longer saved. Mm. And then when you die, you are not allowed into the kingdom of heaven anymore. Um, and I feel other people believe, a vast majority of people I think, believe that when you become a Christian, there's nothing that you can do to change that. And therefore you are a Christian, whether you become a serial killer, a rapist, a murderer, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're yeah. going to become, you're staying a Christian regardless of what you do afterwards. And then there's yeah. other people that believe that you can live this kind of lifestyle and then it, you're on your deathbed be like, my bad, and then everything's okay. Yeah. So I'm curious, what, what are your views, I guess, personal, mm -hmm. or what are the views of living word? Because I don't want to get a view from you that's different from them if you're representing them. No, sure. Um, I would say that our opinions definitely line up. So I mentioned kind of before, I feel like, um, that falls into the greasy grace category yeah. that I was mentioning before. You know, I can kind of do whatever, live whatever life I want after I accept Jesus and I'll still be good. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not buy into that like mm -hmm. at all. So, um, in the sense that like, if you live whatever life you want, then you can lose what yeah, you. Yeah. Cause I feel like just as much as a, it was a choice for you to accept Jesus into your life, it's mm -hmm. just as much as a choice to leave it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, there's, there's, if there's zero evidence of God in your life, then why would you try to act like it's a part of it? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That, um, I don't buy into the whole like fire insurance idea, you mm -hmm. know, where like I'm going to give my life to God now just to make sure that I'm like have my ticket to get into heaven yeah. and then go do whatever I want. Um, you know, the Bible, it talks about um, in, in, in the New Testament towards the end, it's talking about, you know, like, Lord, Lord, I, I knew you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like basically people having a conversation with God when they go to heaven and, and God tells them, he says, it says many will I turn away and say, I never knew you. Mm -hmm. So people that are acting like they prayed a prayer mm -hmm. and that was their salvation. Yeah. Like, man, salvation is so much more than a prayer, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's choosing, like uh, asking for forgiveness and repentance is doing a 180. Okay. So you can't truly be repentant for your life and give your life to Jesus if you don't change anything about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's so, not to say that you can't sin anymore, right? No, not so be, at all. I mean, just like David, right? Yeah. He killed people and he, he had a child <laughs> a with somebody's wife murderer, and then went and murdered and, an and, yeah, and then yeah. like supposedly was one of God's favorites still. Yeah. So I man after God's own heart. And I think it, it in his story, it's interesting you bring him up because I feel like out of his story in the old testament, like you see that happen with nobody else. Mm -hmm. The decisions that David made, you don't see those decisions happen in almost anybody else and they got away with it. Yeah. Like I think it's because David was a worshipper and he was a man after God's heart and he desired so passionately to to please the Lord, mm -hmm. that even though he slipped and messed up and made dumb mistakes, um, his his heart was still, you know, like, I think that's definitely 100% the difference. You mm -hmm. know, like, a lifestyle of sin is different than messing up. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's something that, I guess not the lifestyle of sin part, but something that you're talking about kind of is another reason why I kind of stepped away from everything too, right? 
praying the prayer and then assuming that that's everything you need to do. Right. Uh, I mean, I did that when I was younger and then being terrified of going to hell, did it again yeah. when I was older and then being terrified that I didn't do it the right way before, did it a third time. But every single time I felt no change. I felt no difference. I felt mm -hmm. no pull in any direction. I felt no connection to anything. Yeah. No matter how many times I would sing with everybody, no matter time, if I closed my eyes, if I raised my hand in the air, if I tried to pray by myself, I felt nothing. Yeah. Like I didn't feel a pull, I didn't feel a change, I didn't feel a connection, like a phone line, like where I could just like, talk to God in any way. Mm -hmm. So that was a big reason why I kind of stopped too, because I was just like, well, I don't get anything. It's not like I wear a t-shirt now that says like, I'm a Christian. So I'm like, yeah, I know I'm a Christian because I got this cool t-shirt. It's just like, am I? I don't know. I don't, I believe it, I guess, but yeah. it, I never really had that solidified, like I felt like a lot of people I knew had this moment in time where they're like, I wasn't really sure, and this happened, and then I was like, yes, I'm on board, I know it. Mm. I've never had that. Mm. Regardless of the times I've been in car accidents, been around people that, like, I've been around, uh, and when I got to Dayton, a kid got killed in front of my car, it was shot. So bullets flying around me, didn't Holy get cow. hit. You know, getting, all these things were like, these are similar situations where somebody else is like, and then I knew. Yeah, <laughs> And right. I feel like it's very, like, terrible of me to say, but I like, I've never had that exact experience yet. So how do you know where you're like, yes, I know I'm doing right. I know I'm going to go to heaven because I know I'm doing this the right way. Can somebody pray the prayers the same exact way and try it and never feel anything? Yeah. And how does that, I know it's yeah. a really big question, <laughs> but. <laughs> no, I mean, it's cool. So like for me, and it probably depends on the person, the personality, mm -hmm. um, how you, how you engage or, or receive uh, emotionally, what your emotional response is to a moment like what you're referring to, you know, getting the goosebumps or the feels mm -hmm. or having a moment. I feel like everybody responds to that differently. <coughs> I would say there's too many people that seek that, mm -hmm. you know, that they want to feel something. And uh, in, in reality, man, like, I, I just feel like it's a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a daily decision to make. Um, life is hard, uh, regardless of who you are and where you come from. And so, um, you know, whatever, gunshot moment or car mm -hmm. accident thing happens um, there might not be moments where you get like chills because of God's protection or, or saving your life but I do think prayer is necessary because um, the Bible does talk about confess with your mouth mm -hmm. um, your sins and stuff and so I do think there's something to a prayer where mm -hmm. you're actually confessing to God and saying words um, but after that um, so we, we say here at the church and I 100% personally believe this as well that it's God's job to save people. Like that's what he does. Mm -hmm. But you find freedom and healing through others. So okay. so maybe what you're referring to is like um, having that moment at 17, kind of maybe deciding to step away, have, experiencing no change, never feeling any, any difference. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, or maybe ask, do you feel like you ever opened up to anybody about struggles that you had? Oh no, actually this is the very first time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, even, I'm not even lying. This is okay. the very first time. Cause I was just pissed, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly. I was so angry. And I was very immature. Yeah. So I couldn't say anything because every time I brought it up to somebody, they were like, well, you're supposed to believe it. So mm. it was a very, like, if I had questions, um, I don't know why I'm looking over towards you. If I had questions <laughs> about something and I brought it to a relative or somebody in the church, a lot of the times it was just like, I don't know what to tell you. You just have to believe. And I was like, mm. I don't like that answer. Yeah. And maybe that's what the answer is. But at the time, at 17 years old, when you have all this stuff going on around you, you've got all these hormones and you, you start to, I feel like it's an age where you start to see the bad in the world yeah. that you didn't see before. 
and then to get the same answer of like, I don't know what to tell you, dude, you have to believe it. Mm. And when I would ask questions like, well, how do you know yours is right? Like uh, Muslims will kill themselves for theirs. Like I've not met a whole lot of Christians that are willing to blow themselves up over theirs no, or like murder somebody over it. You know, yeah, Buddhists will give away everything and live with a life of nothing yeah. for theirs. So yeah, it's we love whole, comfortable Christianity for sure. Yeah, and it's very, uh, that was something I really struggled with. And I've never really opened up to people a lot because it usually turned into a debate and then a heated argument. And because like I said, I'm very knowledgeable yeah. when it comes to scripture because I was so in it trying to find it for so long that I would use that to throw at people because I knew that they couldn't fight me on it for a long time. So I wouldn't, and it was very rude. It was very rude because I would talk yeah. to somebody that knew didn't really know what they're talking I'm about. I'm going to win this argument. And I'm like, yeah, I won, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Leviticus what? No, I know what it is. And then I would just throw it and yeah. it's very terrible to do that. So I'm, I figured, you know, why not talk to somebody that I don't have a connection with Yeah. and just have, cause I don't have any emotions either way about it, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. So like, um, again, confession, I feel like brings salvation. So it's like God's job to save people. But then our job after that is to then, uh, like the Bible just talks about how you, you find healing and freedom through expression to others. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're supposed to talk and dialogue about what we're going through, because mm -hmm. that's where you experience true freedom. It, it brings accountability. It brings like whatever change you were trying to make through a prayer, and then it makes it real life and it brings it into like a practical sense. And so mm -hmm. I'm all about practical ministry, like whatever's going to actually help people yeah. when, before they walk out the door. I don't want to just talk about big theories and theology and and you know the real whether deep. there were real people with Adam and Eve besides just the two of them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just okay. like I mean, all that kind of stuff. You know, those types of questions. I, I take the Bible at its word. You know, I do believe that the people in the Old Testament were not just like make believe fairy tale <laughs> stories. Mm -hmm. I think all that stuff really happened. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just think that there's so much help that God provides through Scripture if people find the right source, and so if they're able to actually like put into practice the things that they can read, mm -hmm. it's so much more than just a church experience, and I think a lot of churches miss it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of churches do just rely on that prayer at the altar call yeah. to do their job for them. For us, that's not, that's like, that's the starting line. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, that's like, okay, we got you, you know, God got your life right, but now let's actually get you like help and fixed mm -hmm. and get you on track to be the person that you want to be, so. Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good answer. Yeah, so I mean, the vision of the church is know God, which is paramount, it's first and foremost. And then we wanna help you find freedom, mm -hmm. discover your purpose after you've gotten like past your yesterdays, past your hangups and all the things that would like try to pull you back down. Uh, after you get over those things, then we wanna try to help you discover who you are, like mm -hmm. who did God place you on the earth to be? Because mm -hmm. everybody's got unique gifts and, and talents and personality and all those stuff. We wanna help you find those things. Mm -hmm and then help you to discover who that, what that is, so then ultimately step four, you can help us make a difference because we believe everybody's put on the earth to do that mm -hmm. um, in whatever capacity and whatever sphere you're in, regardless of your title, your income, any of that kind of stuff, everybody's got a job to do. Mm -hmm. And we wanna make sure everybody's able to pull that job off and do it well, so. Okay, let me try to end it on something less um, huge. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I mean, I've got a lot of stuff like, um, uh, let me ask you which one you would like to talk about then. Okay. So stories in the Bible often seem to be referred to as like metaphors or anecdotes. So how do you differentiate between what's a metaphor and what's literal? This should be done. That's one of them. Um, we already talked about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Yeah. How do you know Christianity is the right one? Like we kind of touched on that for a second ago. Like how mm -hmm. do you personally feel for that? And um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. This is a kind of a big one. If God and the devil fight at the end of time 
for the earth, right? So that we can inherit the earth back again, right? What happens to all the people in hell? I thought they were supposed to be there for eternity. If God takes over everything, hell is then disappeared, but then, or like, you know, eradicated. But then what happens to all the people that were in hell? They're no longer in hell for eternity. Are they just gone forever, which means hell's not eternity? Or how does that whole thing work? That's a weird one to talk about. I guess that the last one would be, <laughs> let's see, do Jews go to heaven? That's another question I had, because they're God's chosen people, but they also don't accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, so therefore they can't go to heaven, or they do, I don't know. Right, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you pick which one you'd like <laughs> to talk about. I mean, the other ones I probably don't have much of an answer. Honestly, I don't know if I have a great answer for any of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> or we could just talk about whatever you want to talk about for the last half of it. I mean, as far as the Jewish stuff goes, like, um, you know, again, if you look in the Old Testament, the Isra Israel, like, they, they screwed up all over the place and mm -hmm. all over themselves. Um, and it's a personal decision. There, there is no blanket for going to heaven. Mm -hmm. um, 100%, I believe that Jew or non-Jew, whatever, whoever you are, wherever you come from, mm -hmm. uh, having a relationship with Jesus is the only way to okay. heaven. And so for me, it's like, just because you were born Jewish doesn't make you any better than anybody that wasn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not like an automatic ticket into heaven forever. So um, God provides you with choices and decisions that you make here. And uh, that's kind of the only life. We only get one chance, you know, mm -hmm. to do, do it the right way. And so uh, I think to answer that question, like, no, I don't believe just because you're Jewish, you get to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's... So do you, are you one of the people that believes that, I, don't, I shouldn't say one of the people, one of many people that believe that um, God will present himself to everyone in some way? So some person in the Amazon who worships a tree is their uh, God, uh, who's <laughs> yeah. never spoken to a Christian in their entire life and lives their entire life in Amazon tribe of 10 people. Yeah. And you think that he will present himself in some way to them? So they I do, still, yeah. I, I think that, um, I think it's, it, that is a very difficult question to wrestle with because if you're expecting nature alone mm -hmm. uh, to, to speak to you, I, I do believe though, so like um, <clears throat> inside of everybody, I believe that there's this God-shaped hole. Okay. And I believe that also is almost like a beacon. So there's some sort of driving force within every single person to know who God is and know their creator. Mm -hmm. They've just wrestled with it or, or suppressed it based on uh, pressure or outside opinion or not wanting to be the weird guy that mm -hmm. um, they don't ever talk about it. But I do think everybody has some sort of draw to know more yeah. about God, uh, regardless of who the, if they would even say those words or not. I think even atheists wrestle with the idea of like, innately who they are and having this draw to know more um, so I think that if you're born in the Amazon in the jungle like you have no idea about it you know a, even a bible paper you know yeah, any of that kind yeah. of stuff you don't even know what any of that is I do still think there is some sort of something inside of you that there's a draw within like a connection you. One yeah way or the other. and again like I said before God speaks to everybody mm -hmm. and uh, how well you're able to listen I do think sort of hinges on being able to open up scripture and find out more about yeah. who God is so that's why uh, the Christian faith is so passionate about sending out missions mm -hmm. and trying to reach unreached people groups. And uh, I know that that window is closing, the number of people groups that have not ever heard the gospel before. Yeah. Um, my dad told me a story about uh, Billy Graham, and I can't even honestly remember how old of a story this is or when it happened, but he brought this group of people together. And the question that was presented to these people was, can we fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime? Like, can we literally spread the gospel all over the world like we're supposed to yeah. before we all die? And um, I think the number when they started 
my dad said it was like 2,600 groups at that point mm -hmm. that had never heard the, the gospel before. And that number now is down to 200. Yeah, it sounds about right. So it's like, you know, the number of people that are being reached is definitely at an all-time high. And mm -hmm. so I do believe the Great uh, Commission will be fulfilled at some point. But the people that have never been reached that have already passed, um, I have to believe that God created some sort of way for them to have an Whether experience. Whether their or, religious beliefs were separate from ours, the kind of the same feeling in their heart or whatever. You know, like yeah, that. that's where it gets weird. You know, I'm not sure if like if they worship the sun. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like Is how that, that representation, how that translates. Yeah. I again, I'm not God, and I'm glad I don't have His job. You know yeah. what I mean? Like those are the types of questions where I'm just kind of like. God is gracious and merciful, mm -hmm. and He's so good to people um, that yes, He's He's just and true. But at the same time, man, like He's just—I feel like He's good beyond measure. And uh, people that have another other opinion of Him, I don't fully get or understand, or maybe they just—they don't know the God that I know. But I, I just think that God's merciful almost to a fault. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. He's cheated the system. Mm -hmm. You know, like He He gave us the opportunity at life, we screwed up. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll just fix that problem by sending my son. Mm -hmm. So like, like there's nothing fair about it. You know, like the devil just, it was like, it was a losing game regardless. And mm -hmm. so I just feel like, man, God has to have presented himself in some way, shape or form to be able to reach those people. If they ignored it, then that's again, it's still on them. But yeah. um, I'm just glad I don't have his job and I don't yeah. have to do that. You know, <laughs> I just try to be Joel and do what I'm called to do and, and yeah. reach as many people as I can here. And again, it's much easier in the United States. Yeah, um, we've got cell phone technology. I mean, everybody's got, Christian. Everybody's got, heard of it. We got religious liberty here. Yeah. I mean, we don't. We're not like persecuted for our faith necessarily. Mm -hmm. I would say I feel like that's kind of changing. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. I do think that some level of like being a Christian now is almost like taboo. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're weird, and I don't understand you. Like that's becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. um, like the nation is no longer a Christian nation. I feel like it's 100% post Christian mm -hmm. where. The majority of people do not go to church anymore and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's fighting a more of an uphill battle than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is causing that? You think it's the you think it's technology? People getting? I mean, my my opinion is in the 1800s, right? If I live in a mud hut in the U.S. somewhere mm -hmm. where there's not a whole lot to do, and I've got one book that says, "Hey, this is everything you need to know about the world," I'm probably going to like focus on that book as being the truth of everything. Yeah. But when I'm 10 years old in 2020 and I pick up a cell phone and I can see videos of people twerking and do all this other <laughs> stuff that's like so much like grabbing your attention, I don't oh, want to sure. believe any of that stuff. Which is why I kind of think it's cool that you guys do the uh, um, webinar stuff. Or is mm -hmm. it webinar? I think not webinar. Like online streaming yeah. for everything. Yeah. I had, honestly, I had really negative opinions about it at first because I just looked at it and I was like, it's felt very like new age to me because I, I was not a part of any sort of church community mm -hmm. for the past like 11 going on 12 years so for me to see all this stuff on the internet and everything like that i'm like oh this feels so odd it doesn't feel right it seems like they're just like pandering towards people but then i started thinking well if that's where people are that's where you go right i mean yeah. if sinners are in downtown dayton you go to downtown dayton if they're right. on the internet then you go on the internet so that kind of makes sense too yeah but, so i think our belief about that is just like um, whatever spaces we avoid, darkness kind of takes over. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we want to bring light into those areas. Mm -hmm. And so if the internet is an opportunity to reach people that otherwise would never step foot into a church, like yeah. we want to take that opportunity. Yeah. But as far as like why society and culture is where it is now, 
I think the internet plays a role in our current generation, mm -hmm. but I believe it's their parents that screwed up. Or mm. maybe even, I should say probably like more like this, like the generation before uh, my parents, mm -hmm. um, and maybe even our parents' generation too, um, church was so legalistic and it was so judgmental. And I feel like there was yeah. so much like, you do this right or you go to hell. And it was just like kind of hellfire brimstone type stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like church has never, it's for me, church has always been the answer. It's never been the problem. Mm -hmm. But I think it's always had a marketing issue. Yeah, I can definitely know? see that. You I guys think could do some church is, just has has a bad name. It's yeah. got a bad rap for being a place that's unwelcoming to any other view, any other you know walk of life. And uh, anyway, and and you know, I mean Sundays are the most segregated part of the week as well. You know, mm -hmm. like there's black church, white church, and you know most of those don't integrate. That's and very so. True. So it's been very passionate for us. Like we want to, we always wanted our church to represent heaven, you mm -hmm. know. And so that's going to look like a variety of different people. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're not okay with black people, then you're not going to like heaven. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you're going to have a problem when you get there. Yeah. And so for us, we've always tried to uh, bring culture together, and uh, we we like to mix up music, and mm -hmm. we like to mix up who presents and how they present, uh, and who speaks and stuff like that. And so we try to incorporate as much as possible. Um, to look like heaven as often as we can and um, tattoos or not you know regardless of what sexuality you would claim um, or, or, or believe about yourself like you're welcomed here mm -hmm. you might not hear stuff that you like you yeah. know what I mean because we're going to preach truth but that doesn't mean that you're not invited in to at least experience God for yourself and make your own opinion about it so um, so for us that's something we've always hold pretty dear but yeah. I think because of uh, more specifically, I guess, like I feel like my friends above all that mm -hmm. are now having kids, um, we were the generation that got like pushed out. Like we were the generation that nobody understood, mm -hmm. um, did not do a good job of reaching. And uh, again, I, I think church being like a judgmental environment mm -hmm. to, to most people in that day um, really caused a lot of problems to where now because of our size of our population, like our generation and now us having our own kids, if my generation is not in church, then my kids wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. it's kind of like created this uh, snowball effect in the other direction. And so, yeah, we're trying to break into that space and reach more people and uh, try to try to break, you know, through that like <laughs> that that mold that people have kind of put church into of like that's like only the place. Anger and yeah. And you know, the the <laughs> yeah. funny thing is, you Those. brought that up because the guy that called me when I should have my phone silenced, mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's one of my best friends from uh, high school, mm. and he's gay. Okay. And that's some that's a we kind of both left about the same time, mm. and that was a really big turning point for him, is because when he would go to people and say like, hey, this is how I feel they would basically give him the cold shoulder, be extremely hateful, be extremely rude, and then accept yeah. somebody who was an alcoholic or a drug addict right afterwards. Which I thought was very odd because I was like, you know, if it was really so, I, I, I thought it was very hypocritical for people to pick it about stuff like that because I'm like, it's not even a Ten Commandment. If it was really something that was so <laughs> detrimental, it would be on the Ten Commandments, it's not. There's like two parts in the Bible that even mention anything about it and there's not even a whole full sermon about it. But mm -hmm. there's full sermons about not being greedy and not doing this and not doing that. So I think it's very, it was very, uh, I, I, I agree with what you're saying with our parents' generation and the parents before them. Yeah. It was very judgmental for a long for time. Sure. So he was pushed out and you know, I kind of followed with him. I'm like, yeah, screw this. I don't, I don't like how they're doing this. And yeah. I, I will say, I've not seen a whole lot of people our age 
picketing the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just maybe uh, the world for them changed so quickly compared to ours, because ours has been like a constant change, but we grew up with change, whereas maybe from the 40s to the 80s, the change in society was so abrupt and so jarring because it hadn't changed in so long that mm -hmm. it was a bigger deal to them. I don't yeah. really know what the answer is, but I think that's a, it's kind of nice to be able to hear somebody say like, yeah, we accept people to come in. We might not say like, hey, we believe everything you're doing, but we'll accept you to come in. Right. I think a lot of places when I was younger didn't do that at all. Mm. It was like, you have to fit this certain square before you come in. We'll, f we'll polish you up, but you have to be the shape that we want you to be in. And if you're not, then you're not welcome. For sure. And what does that bleed? You know, you feel terrible and then just go somewhere else and they accept you where they do drugs and they accept you where you can drink and they accept you where they don't believe in anything. Yeah. So it's just... Uh, that family feels more close to a lot of people than a church family that might be judgmental, especially when they see people come. Um, what I felt a lot too, when I would go into a church and I would see makeup heavily put on everybody and everybody mm -hmm. wearing their best perfume and wearing their best clothes and wearing the best this. I'm like, I don't fit this image. Like I, right. I wear skate shoes. I used to skate forever. I'm covered in tattoos. So when I come in, I see all these people with this stuff that might be a, like more of a facade than anything else. It would like, pull me back a little bit you know yeah it like projected like a standard <laughs> yeah you know i mean if you yeah, don't absolutely. if you don't meet the standard then mm -hmm. you don't belong so yeah i think that was again a huge marketing mistake on the church's part yeah. for being that way for so long i mean it's not like we, you could do anything about it <laughs> yeah so. i mean nowhere there's zero context for that in scripture you know mm -hmm. what i mean so that's just a man driven thing and an expectation and I, I get it. I don't think it came originally from a bad place. Yeah, it could just be where it's best because we're going to go have fun and be happy. But it definitely created, I feel like, this persona for outsiders looking in like, man, I don't fit this mold at all. Yeah. So I, I definitely don't belong. Yeah. And uh, that's why, I mean, you know, we've tried to make it a lot more casual. Even my dad, did. I, I, I was shocked because, like, up until I came on staff, it's like it was like shirt and ties Wait, and suits. So Pastor Pat is my dad. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that he was your dad. Okay. Yeah, so so suit tie mm -hmm. every day of the week and definitely Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it, the staff is expected to do the same. And so, you know, the church has obviously kind of followed suit. But um, he started making more progressive changes even in his appearance. And I feel like that alone, mm -hmm. like, changed culture, like, really quick. Yeah. I mean, for, I have to say, walking in, seeing you wear Nikes, car <laughs> t-shirt, and a Vans hat. Yeah. I was like, is this the guy we're supposed to talk to? It was like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. So yesterday I was in cut-off shorts, jean shorts, mm -hmm. uh, kind of grungy t-shirt and a different hat mm -hmm. uh, and some Sperry's with no socks. And I, <laughs> I get, I'm pastor on call this week, so I have to get all the emergencies that come through the office. Okay. <clears throat> so hospital visits or whatever. And I had uh, this lady call that her mother-in-law is in hospice right now. Mm -hmm. And they wanted somebody to come and read, like perform first rites. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what that was. I don't know, do you know what that is? Yeah, before somebody dies. Yeah, yeah so like, yeah. it's like a very Catholic type mm -hmm. thing to kind of. And that's of, why I was kind of confused why they, I don't think that, are, well, is this Protestant, non-denominational? Yeah, non-denominational. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, I thought it was a pretty heavy Catholic yeah, thing. So we probably would have like, we've always been non-denominational, but leaned definitely towards uh, very Pentecostal in the early years okay. of the church. It doesn't necessarily, uh, I would say we still hold all the same beliefs and in, in, in the spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily like practiced on a weekend, mm -hmm. like for public, you know, display. i got to write that down because that speaking in tongues thing is another one that I've got major questions for. Yeah. It's definitely for a different video though. Okay. I think that's a long answer for <laughs> stuff because that, that's like getting heavy into the weeds of Christianity. Sure. So, so anyway, yesterday, you know, we get this call. And uh, I'm not sure how long she's been a part of our ministry, uh, like been coming here. 
it doesn't seem like any of her family comes. It might just be her and her husband or whatever. Mm. But uh, it's her mother-in-law that's that's in hospice, and she wants somebody to come and perform first rites. And so I have to Google even what that is. Had no idea. Apparently, it's you know, kind of like the prayer, almost like being baptized from this yeah. life into the next. And so I just called her, you know, and I said, hey, so honored that you want us to be a part of that. Uh, that's not necessarily something that we do in our tradition, you know. Um, but I would love to come and be able to like pray for peace and comfort for you and the family as you're going through grief and stuff like that. So I get there in my outfit, yeah. and I'm sure, you know. So not only they're asking for something super traditional and formal yeah. in a performed way, but then I show up with yeah. my hat on. I, I even forget to take my hat off during the prayer. Right before oh. we pray, one of the guys <laughs> is like, Joel, can I ask you one question? I was like, yeah, sure. I thought he was going to ask me something about like the Bible or yeah. the afterlife or whatever. He's like, can you remove your hat for me? And I was like, you know, yeah. like, yes, I can do it, of course, you know, I, and the, even somebody in the crowd that was in the room was just kind of like, you probably just forget you have that on. I was like, yeah, all the time. I and I can imagine what day. you felt like then, because I've been in situations like that with like older people that are kind of very more traditional Christian. Yeah. And I do something or in the past and then I just feel like so small and so young and like I feel like a child like immediately. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I mean, so sorry. I mean, there's been there's been like prayer events that we've had here. Um, like we'll have like nights of worship and there'll be like sections of that where it's not just music, but somebody will kind of lead corporately in prayer. And I was doing that one night and I had my hat on mm -hmm. <clears throat> while I was doing that. It was an evening service kind of out of the mold of a normal Sunday. And then after church, somebody that's actually not even really that old, but grew up in a much more traditional mm -hmm. uh, background, um, came up to me and shared a scripture with me about like, basically like about having your head covered yeah. and how like wrong that is to ever pray with your head covered. Mm -hmm. and, What's so interesting is this is a guy mm -hmm. and he has long like shoulder length hair. Yeah. Well, in that same scripture, it talks about like men having long hair and like how that's yeah. against the rules too. Yeah. And I'm like, did you not read a couple more verses down? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, see, like <laughs> that's where I get like on the whole Old Testament thing. Like there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, you can't dude, do like anymore, people get nitpicky like, about other people's issues mm -hmm. that they want to zero in on, but they don't like yeah. to magnify. I was thought that hat stuff. thing was a funny one though. Cause it's not like there's a beam that comes out that's blocked by the hat. You have to like <laughs> move it out of the way or anything like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's funny. My yeah. dad is military, though, so ours was always like, don't ever wear a hat inside. So I'm sure when he sees this video, he's going to be super <laughs> ecstatic that we're both wearing hats indoors. And he doesn't care anymore, but when I was younger, it was always like, no hats at the dinner table, no hats inside, all that kind of stuff. This is totally off the conversation, but I do want to tell you, like, like having a baby uh -huh. is literally the coolest thing that's of what all time. Saying. Dude, like, life-changing for me. I'm really so, excited. So especially, like being a person of faith and, and believing in God and uh, all that kind of stuff, I feel like getting to be involved in the creation process of a human being mm -hmm. is like, for me, again, that was a moment where I was like, how do people not believe in God? Because mm -hmm. it was like how he designed a, a woman to give birth. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the way that you feel about that baby as soon as you meet it and stuff, I was like, man, this is just such a picture of what the love of God is like. Like knowing nothing, He's presented like this child has literally given me nothing. Yeah. But I would give my life for it. You know what I mean? So like, um, it's just such a cool moment that hopefully you will never forget because dude, it's like the best. Yeah. Uh, when I you guys do? When you guys do? In April. April. Oh, okay. April ninth. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the funny thing is, I forgot to mention that we haven't like told anybody. <laughs> oh. No, no, no. Sorry, video. Well, we I was going to say, out. we might as well just, we'll figure it out. But I was like, <laughs> I, I, as soon as you start saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is an awesome thing for the video. I'm like, oh wait, I forgot, I haven't told anybody yet. So if you're doing April, like you just found out then. Yeah, she's yeah, nine weeks pregnant right now. Yeah. Wow. Six, three months. That's crazy. But she's she's done this whole like, uh, 
like old wives tale pencil test thing where they like hang a pencil over your arm and see which way it swings to figure out <laughs> okay well it says that she's gonna have twins like twice in a row seriously and, and twins run in her family and also her stomach is already showing she's only nine months or nine Nine weeks. Nine weeks, and her stomach's like already poking out quite a bit. And so everybody's like, "Yeah," and I'm, I'm over I mean, here like, "Nah, I'm cool because I don't have a job right now, so I can't afford <laughs> one, let alone two. But um, is your first appointment? Is it twelve weeks? Is that when you normally go? Your twelve week appointment? So they'll get to actually see how many heartbeats are going on in there. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna be real nervous when you're like, dude. So, and we so we had two boys. So I have a seven and a six year old, and we okay. had them sixteen months apart. Uh -huh. That was not planned. But uh, at the same time, it's like been super awesome because they're like best buddies and they're yeah, basically we like talking about trying. To they're basically like twins age. at this point. But um, and so because we had two so close, we kind of took a nice long break. Kelsey's kind of like like hey, like let's just hold off on any more for. I could have just kept rolling, you know. What I mean? Yeah. Like I love it. But um, so now we're expecting a girl, and okay. she's she just hit 20 weeks last week. So I think. Uh, tomorrow she'll be 21 weeks oh, and so cool. we're expecting in January that's awesome so our kids will be graduating high school the same year then. there you go yeah <laughs> so. that sounds so weird this is weird it's got to be weird to have kids right it like is. you look at me like I, if, if you die I get in trouble like, <laughs> that's I, that's, true. This is like yeah like it's on you <laughs> being a parent is a huge responsibility and uh, yeah so I got a first grader and a kindergartner now and it's it's wild is it harder Raising them as a infant, toddler, or young. Oh no! Person. Right now is definitely way harder. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna? You think that's gonna happen? Like as they get older, no matter what. Yeah, I think I think every stage until they're kind of like making their own decisions, it's gonna yeah. get harder and harder until they're on their own, probably. But I mean, I'm 28 and I'm living in my parents' basement again because we don't have any work. So <laughs> hey, I feel like, like yeah, it was easy, and then I like, got oh, never mind. 30 years old when you have a kid is the worst. Dude, we we did that for a year and a half <laughs> when we yeah. moved back to Ohio. Like we didn't want to rent because we knew we were pretty much like permanently here yeah um so uh we didn't want to rent and just waste money and so our parents or her parents my wife's parents were kind enough just to let us live mm -hmm. in their basement and uh we didn't find anything for a year and a half mm -hmm. so we didn't we lived down there for a long time yeah. actually oh. got pregnant at their house which yeah. is even more We've awkward been there for a year and the same thing well the funny thing about that is like, <laughs> so hilarious. for the past so like a year and a half ago, I was working for a Japanese company. It's like a marketing director. I mean, I did everything from like, I sponsored the Air Force Marathon. Like I built products for the Air Force Marathon to oh, use wow. that they still use, like but with my own two hands and took video and photo, did it all by myself, translated, did all this hard work. And the company is just like failing. It's just like a, not a very good company because they won't change to American standards. So a lot of bad stuff happened. Mm -hmm. I ended up leaving. I was like, I'm gonna become a full-time photographer because I'm shooting stuff for like, all these things and I'm doing film photography and I want to do this and then it turned out like hey you can't really do that you're not making very much money you need to get an actual job so I was like okay we talked about it we decided I'm going to join the Navy so we can both have health care and have all this stuff going on and then uh, coronavirus happened and then I lost my job so it's just like for the past like Gosh. year and a half I've had like all this like I, I was making really good money. I lived in Mason, if you know where Mason is. Yeah. yeah, of course you know where Mason is. You're from here, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we lived in Mason in an apartment that was 700 square feet. It cost us like $1,400 a month. And I was That's crazy. We had this heated pool and it was like all this like cool fun stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And then like, we are down to one car. Uh, I have, I had $8 in my bank account two days ago. Mm. And I was, had no money coming in. So we're just in this weird spot where I'm like, yeah, man. This is cool. We're not having a kid. Why not throw a kid into it? Even you have nothing going on. We'll figure it out. Oh, man. But I don't know. I'm kind of glad I have the personality I do. Otherwise, I'd be going crazy. Yeah. 
just the gigantic up to like the slow down and then the spiral down. Yeah. And then to now it's like, well, there's not really much else that can go wrong. We already don't have a house. So I guess we could lose the car, but I have a bike, so we're good. <laughs> hey, you're in a great spot to be able to kind of recreate and reinvent. That's you what can, I'm thinking. You can do whatever you 28 want. 28 is the new 18, what I say. <laughs> Dude, 28 was my favorite year of life. Really? It really was. Okay. So like I had two kids at that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like. How old were you when you had your first? Like 26? Uh, 26, okay. yeah. 26 when I had Jack and 27 when we had Henry. And uh, so, yeah, I feel like 28 was kind of like, I don't know, just a great year. I feel like uh, physically, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was looking back. I feel like the last year where I could, like, go work out and not be, like, crazy sore mm-hmm. and, like, ache when oh, I woke dude. up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so being 30, dude, it's real. Like, yeah. turning 30 and going up, it's just kind of, like, all downhill from there. So. Man, I've been working out hard the past, like, I dropped from, like, two. 230, 240, something got to 200. Wow. And like started powerlifting and then I got bigger and then I was like, oh, I can't run now because I'm too big. So I started running and I got smaller. Yeah. And now I'm like 215 ish and I'm doing this whole like 20 hour fasting thing and still trying to lift weights and I'm hurting already. It's a little bit difficult. I'm hurting. I used to skate when I was younger, but. Yeah, fall down a flight of stairs, get right back up like nothing happened. And now if I I'm pinned down too quick, I'm like, oh, God, dude, <laughs> I need to go to the it doctor. It is so real. It's but, crazy. So, yeah. yeah, hold on to these last couple of years you yeah, got there to good. I'm definitely going to try to do that. Or maybe you can just get in a good routine now to where it stays good. I don't yeah, know. I want to be like one of those guys that's like 70 and you're like, you're how old? Yeah, you look right. Good. Yeah. yeah, I was just really inconsistent and still kind of am. So I'm trying to get more disciplined. But I'm, I'm really thinking about Taco Bell right now. Dude. Yeah. And it's it's never it's never a bad time to go there. I ever. Know. It's always good. I'm, you guys wanna to go to Taco Bell? I kinda of wanna to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> okay. I really appreciate you talking to me. Hey, man. It was a lot of fun. Are you thinking what are you thinking? You wanna to try to do this again sometime? I think it's sure. cool to do yeah. it. Like I would love to hear answers to the questions you asked me from like other people around yeah, here, you know. Yeah, I like, wanna I wanna ask quite a few different people about this stuff and I wanna come back to somewhere where I have like a series where I ask either one or two or three different people like one topic and we just stay on that for a while and just see how it goes. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me, man. And thanks for letting us use all this stuff. You're very welcome.